listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. This is the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I'm your, uh, you know, I'm, your, I'm a guitar guy. I'm your guitar scientist. With 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars, sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing mm-hmm. on his experience as a professional luthier. I will try. We've got a lot of questions about uh, lawsuits, questions about Bakelite pick guards Mm. questions about left-handedness oh we're experts (laughs) on that well i mean left-handed parts and whatnot oh oh, okay questions about paint we got all kinds of things to get into here but uh i don't know what's on your bench what are you working on lately uh a top secret project oh say no more it's so secret i can't even tell you about it all right that's cool what's on your bench uh, I'm finishing up a few custom builds. I've been building three guitars a month, and uh, I'm just finishing up this month's third guitar. So that's what I've been working on, and I have a mountain of repairs that I need to start climbing, like like Sir Edmund Hillary going up the side of Everest. Are you seeing this? Every time I move my microphone where I want it to be, it moves right back. Makes a great noise, too. Sorry. Well, we have some calls, so let's take some calls. What do you say? Hi, this is Joe, literally driving through the streets of Denver. Hopefully you can hear me. Um, uh, Reason I'm calling is I was listening to the podcast in my car here and paused and thought I would call you because I literally just bought a guitar. It's very inexpensive. And one of the reasons it was inexpensive is that the owner had written in Sharpie marker the notes at every single fret and string all the way up and down the rosewood fretboard. So I thought rather than give something to try when I get home, I would uh, just give you a call on the fly and ask you how would you get Sharpie marker off of a rosewood fretboard. Thank you. Hmm. Thanks for the call. <clears throat> wow. That sounds like something I would do. I've not seen uh, that. Uh, usually it's like stickers or something, I don't know. But Sharpie right on the rosewood, huh? Well, um, that should be, you know, that should be actually pretty easy to clean off. Um, here's what I would probably do. I, th- I think just rubbing alcohol takes Sharpie off pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so I would do that. 
And then when you're done, make sure and oil the fingerboard because the alcohol is going to dry out the fingerboard a little bit. So try, try rubbing alcohol and then oil the fingerboard with, you know, whatever your preferred fingerboard oil is. I use Gerlitz's Guitar Honey, but you can use lemon oil or, you know, whatever. Whatever you got. Mm. Not whatever you got. Use something good. Use, yeah. Use, use, some, use, use oil. Yeah, use the proper thing. Uh, the other way you might be able to um, take that off is with steel wool. Uh, but to do that, I would take the neck off of the guitar and take it away from the guitar body so that you don't get steel wool particles all over your pickups because the magnets will attract all the little steel wool particles and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Yeah. You know, not only is it a mess to clean up, but those little tiny particles can work their way into the pickup and actually kill your pickups. So don't do that. Yeah. So take the neck off. I'm assuming this is like a Strat or something. Did he even say? I don't think he said. I don't think he said. Okay. If it's a set neck guitar. Don't take it off. You can tape the pickups off and then, you know, vacuum it all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if it's a bolt on... Take the neck off, take it outside with some, like, quadruple aught steel wool. You know what I'm talking about? Four zeros? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fine the stuff. The super fine stuff, yeah. That, that'll clean up your fingerboard, and it has the added benefit of polishing your frets up real nice. Very, they, yeah. They'll be nice and shiny when you're done. So, tr- so that's the two things I would try, rubbing alcohol and steel wool. Thank you so much for the call. I think his name was Joe. Yep. Is that right? Thanks, Joe and Denver. Joe, Joe and Denver. Hi, Eric and Melissa. This is Micah calling from Omaha, Nebraska. It's, again. Our, it's our old buddy, Micah. I have an interesting thought. Um, I have a guy that has a neck pickup that's too muddy. I think all of us can relate. The neck pickup's pretty dark. Um, he doesn't want to swap the pickup. He's tried a, a treble bleed on the volume pot. Because I like when I turn it down a little bit, it it feels brighter. And so I thought, I guess my question is, is there a way to put basically like a resistor and capacitor in parallel, the same concept of it as a treble bleed, just put it directly in line with the pickup? So essentially it's resisting the pickup a little bit, but allowing that that capacitor is letting that extra treble bleed past the resistor, effectively brightening the sound of the pickup. Is that a crazy thought? Um, have you done that? What kind of values would you use? What resistor and capacitor? Or is that a terrible idea and I should forget it? <laughs> uh, thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's a crazy idea. I I, I like the way you're thinking. I do, <clears throat> but it's a crazy idea, and the the reason it is is because this is a passive circuit, so, you know, inside a guitar. We can't add treble to it. All we can do is, is take away frequencies, so we can remove, we can remove bass frequencies, but it's not going to really, it doesn't really brighten it up, it just removes the, it's just taking away from the full tone of the pickups. I, I, I don't know, I, it sounds crazy, but, hey... You could give it a try. I mean, G&L, uh, you know, they do a uh, 
a strat style guitar i can't even remember what they call it like an asat or a something i don't know a, a comanche or some some dang thing um you know a traditional a traditional strat has a volume and two tone controls and leo when he kind of redesigned the strat style you know electronics for gnl mm-hmm. he did a volume a tone like treble cut and then a bass cut so there's volume treble and bass huh. which is kind of cool i i sometimes i do that on my builds cuz i i like that i like that design so you could hardwire a capacitor in there to cut bass you could do that but it's really not adding any treble it's you know so um but you could try it why not i think when i think the gnl schematic uh it calls for a point zero zero two two microfarad capacitor in it, and that rolls off. You know, it doesn't let bass frequencies through. It's just uh, it only lets the uh, the highs and the mids through. So you could try it. Now, you probably don't even need a resistor with it, just a just the capacitor. But you could you know experiment with it and see. Again, like I say, it's not gonna. You can't add treble to it. Right. Um. There. There is a way to add treble if it's if it's got a cover. I don't know. He didn't say what kind of pickup this is. I don't know if it's a Tele or a yeah. I'm not sure. If or a Les Paul. Not. I don't know. But if it's a if it's a uh, if it's a Telecaster style guitar and it has a uh, you know chrome plated brass cover, you can take that cover off and it will brighten it up a lot. Like you know, 20%. Um, if he doesn't like the look of that, you can replace the brass cover with an unplated raw nickel cover, nickel silver. And that lets a lot more high frequencies through the brass. just really, it really cuts down on high frequencies. It, it, it really mutes those pickups. Mm -hmm. So, uh, or if it's a, if it's a humbucker with a, a brass, chrome plated you know humbucker cover you can take the cover off or just like with the other pickup you can replace it with a good quality raw nickel silver unplated cover and that brightens it up a lot so there's a couple ideas you know give it a try and let us know uh let's see where are we oh uh more calls Hello, Eric and Melissa. This is Crash from Cleveland, Ohio. Eric, the other day, I believe on an Instagram story of yours, you mentioned that the acoustic guitar that you were playing had flat wound strings. (laughs) So I have flat wounds on most of my electric guitars, but none on on my acoustics. So if I was correct, in what I thought I saw. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about your take on flat wound strings on acoustics and any recommendations on uh, the brand, etc.? Thanks, guys. Bye. Yep. Thanks, Crash. Uh, you're right. I had an acoustic guitar with flat wounds on it. It's kind of an unusual situation, though. That guitar was a 1961 Gibson J160E. Oh. Do you know what the E stands for? Expensive? No. Electronics. Oh. So, or electric. 
So that guitar, the J160E, basically has a P90 uh, right between the end of the fingerboard and the sound hole. Mm. And the customer who owns the guitar wanted flat wounds on it because um, when you use acoustic strings with a magnetic pickup, you know, the like phosphor bronze strings with a magnetic pickup, uh, phosphor bronze is not um, as ferrous as electric guitar strings are, right? So the pickup doesn't really pick up the bass frequencies very well. Mm. So you have to use, um, if you want full bass sound, you have to use uh, either you know, electric guitar strings or, you know, in this case, he wanted flat wounds because that, that guitar is famous, uh, for being one that John Lennon owned and played that model. Wow. And supposedly, according to this guy anyway, and I don't know for sure, but John Lennon used flat wounds on that guitar. Hmm. So he wanted flat wounds to get that Beatles sound. Uh, it's actually not the, not the best sounding acoustic. It's like a, I mean, it sounds like what it is. It's like a, a ladder braced, you know, plywood top. <laughs> uh, Jeez. You know, it sounds about like a, like a strat, n- not plugged into the amp. They're not very loud. They're not very. They're not. They don't project very well. Okay, I see. Yeah. But it has a P ninety, and that's why it had flat wounds. You can try flat wounds on your acoustic. Some guys who play blues, and I know Crash is a blues player. Mm-hmm. Some guys who plays play blues like flat wounds because when you use a slide, you don't get that excessive string noise. Oh, Be- yeah, that makes sense. Because the strings are real smooth. Yep. Yeah. You know, on a resonator or something. Or any acoustic, really. But um, So that's the deal. That's why I was using flat wounds on that guitar, and it's really not something I recommend. It won't, it won't really sound good on most acoustics, I don't think. I prefer phosphor bronze strings yeah. on acoustic guitars. Hmm. Thanks, Crash. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Uh, hope all's well during the weird time here. But um, yeah, quick question weird, for you guys. Weird time. On um, Fender neck fits, um, I've seen space on the sides of the neck where they fit into the pocket. Um, I've never seen space at the bottom of the pocket where the neck joins the body. Um, and I'm looking at it right now. I can email you a picture, too. I'm just wondering if that's normal, um, if it's something to be worried about. The neck is really snug in there, and the screws line up and everything, and it, it you know, um, it's sounding, sounding pretty good. But uh, I'm just wondering if that's something to be worried about um, and if it'll affect the, the sound of the guitar at all. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. He sent me some pictures as well, and I can't tell from the pictures, but it's well, it's a it's it looks like it's a vintage Fender uh, Mustang or a Duo Sonic or something. Oh, cool! And uh, there's a little bit of gap there at the butt end of the neck, right? But I can't tell from the pictures because that it has a a celluloid, you know, acetate right. whatever yeah. pit guard, and they shrink. So I can't tell if the gap is just the pit guard shrinking a little bit oh, or yeah. if there if there really is a gap there. Um but he says there's a gap there, so I believe it you probably uh 
what you would want to do, what I would do with it is take the strings off, take out all the neck screws, <clears throat> and then test fit it and see if it goes all the way, you know, further. Because if, if that is a gap, it's just a tiny gap. It's not much, right? So with the neck screws out, get it all the way in there, and then use a clamp and clamp it where where it's flush, you know, clamp it where it's all the way in, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, you'll want to use uh, some calls so that you don't damage the frets or the or the, the neck plate, but right. clamp it in place all the way in and then tighten up the screws. Hmm. Uh, it's actually surprising how how much you can fudge neck movement without having to re-drill new holes. It'll it'll work. It'll line up. So you clamp it good and tight where you want it and then tighten up the screws and then when you take off the clamp it'll it'll stay where you put it. Wowie. Yeah, so give that a try. That should work, my friend. Cool. I think that's all the calls. Let me look. Yes, it is. Thanks for the calls, guys. Uh we've got a lot of questions, so let's take those. <laughs> Hey, Eric, just finished listening to the most recent podcast. I always suspected it was, that it was your voice doing the guitar news. Oh, yeah. Guitar news. <laughs> I was wondering what you thought about Gibson suing satellite amps over the cornet guitars. I guess even a copyright doesn't make a builder safe. Hope mm. all is well. That's from John. Thanks, John. Uh, do you want to read the next question? Because I think it's about the same thing. Oh, sure. Uh, hey, Eric and Melissa, I love the podcast. Thanks so much for the regular break from the outside world. I have to say, I almost drove off the road with the insertion fee discussion in the last podcast. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, question for Eric. What do you think of the recent challenge that Gibson lodged to the Collings headstock shape trademark? I was particularly irked at the assertion of devaluation to the Gibson brand, but I would love to hear your take. Thanks. That's from Matt. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. I am not familiar with the callings thing. I thought that was something that happened a long time ago. Okay, I just Googled it. Yeah, they Gibson has just sued callings. Gee whiz, man. It just keeps going and going. They're suing everybody. This is just what they do. Uh, Yeah, so Gibson... Opposes Collings headstock trademark registration, citing a likelihood of confusion. So they're saying they're, the headstock is confusingly similar, but it doesn't look like that to me. I'm looking at the pictures, and uh, nobody picks up a Collings, and it it says Collings right on the tip of the headstock. Yeah. No, nobody picks that up and says, ah, nice, nice Gibson. <laughs> it's a nice Gibson. I've never seen this Collings model Gibson. Nobody thinks that. Yeah. So good luck proving that in court, although they might because they can afford yeah. good lawyers. Right. And then the other story, they are suing uh, satellite amps. Oh, these are two separate stories? Yeah, these are two separate stories. God, Gibson. Yeah. Satellite amps owner Adam Grimm likes these old Gibson coronets, and he was mad a few years ago. He was mad that Gibson... <clears throat> was suing all of his friends, all of his luthier friends, uh -huh. 
And he said, hey, I'm going to fight back. And he trademarked, he, he, he found a Gibson model that was not trademarked, and he applied for federal trademark and trademarked it, and now he makes them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he could sue them? So- well, so he owns the trademark, and now he's making them, and Gibson is challenging his uh, trademark. Yeah, that's playing with fire to trademark a Gibson guitar. Isn't it? I mean, I applaud his audacity, but that... It is audacious. I would agree. I'll read you some of this story. This is from uh, guitarworld.com. Beep, 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 guitar news. <laughs> According to an Instagram post from Satellite Amplifiers, Gibson is allegedly pursuing legal action against the San Diego-based company's use of the Epiphone Coronet electric guitar design on a range of instruments. So it's an Epiphone model, but, you know, when Gibson owned them. Right. Right. Anyway. I wanted to give everyone a heads up about what's going on with the coronets, begins a July 11th post from satellite amplifiers Adam Grimm. Gibson Guitars is attempting to invalidate my federal trademark for the coronet. The post goes on to allege, I know that Gibson abandoned the model in 1999 and never bothered to even attempt to protect the model or keep it alive ever until now. Wow. Uh, Why? Because myself and a few others have brought it back to life and introduced it to a new audience that never knew the model existed. The original cornet was first manufactured by Epiphone in 1959 and remained in production until the 70s. Satellite began building its own version of the cornet in 2016, and Grimm claims that at the 2017 NAM show, Gibson reps came down and photographed the coronets and even talked with us a bit. They have known about the guitars since then. Well, yeah, they're doing opposition research. Yeah. They were getting ready to sue you, pal. Well, but that when, was, when Gibson comes down and takes pictures. That was four years ago. Does it take that long to get a lawsuit going? They were gearing up for whatever, I mean, crazy spending spree on lawsuits this is. Yeah, they, I don't know. Grimm goes on to state that after receiving legal notice from Gibson, he and his legal team responded with a letter in which he made Gibson an offer to purchase the brand as a measure of goodwill and good publicity and for half of what it will cost either of us to fight this out in court, he says. So they're going back and forth, and then there's an update. I guess Gibson uh, replied. Oh. Here's Gibson's reply. Quote, the Epiphone Coronet was first introduced in the 50s, which clearly established first use of the trademark, the statement reads. More recently, Gibson has been continuously manufacturing and providing the Epiphone Coronet for a limited number of artists since 2008. This establishes historic trademark rights and continuous use since 2008. As a result of creating, launching, investing, and owning the trademark for the Epiphone Coronet, Gibson simply filed to confirm their trademark ownership on a first-use basis. Hmm. Gibson did not file a lawsuit, they say. Gibson did, understandably, file for trademark ownership and requested to cancel Satellite's trademark within the USPTO, whatever that means, as Gibson is clearly the original owner, has clear first-use, and thus exclusive trademark rights. So, that's the story. God bless Adam Grimm, because... That's a gutsy move. Yeah, he's going to lose that, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, you hate to see Gibson suing 
kind of, you know, smaller time luthiers and builders, but um, that guy was, he was trying to push their buttons. Yeah. Right? And what else can Gibson do, but, but you know, if, if they don't stand up and protect. Yeah, I guess so. They have to set a precedence. But at the, on the other hand, they're like an international, I don't know how much money they're worth, but they're a big company. Why do they, why do they care? About the little guys. Well, because I, I guess because they have to, you know, all of these, all of the big American companies are, uh, are litigious and they, they protect their trademarks. Right. The most, um, the most active one is Rickenbacker. That's why you never see any Rick copies. Yeah. I mean, they exist, but you can't even post them for sale online because, you know, Rickenbacker has people on their payroll whose job it is just to search the internet for copies. Wow. And then they they shut you down. Wow. Yeah. So, that's the story on that. I don't know. What are my thoughts on it? I don't know. I, you hate to see lawsuits, but, um, that was more gutsy than... I would have. <laughs> yeah. Then I. It's a more gutsy thing than I would have done. Yeah. For sure. It's a real. Uh, kind of asking to get sued. It's a real, you know, stick it to the man sort of thing, and I like that. I do it. too, but he's gonna lose. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was reading online about Bakelite pickguards. A guy on a forum, haha, I know, claimed that there is no such thing as Bakelite anymore and that it can't be purchased new. He says that all the modern Bakelite pickguards are actually something called Garolite. I see that you sell what you call a Bakelite pickguard. So how do you have this supposedly unobtainable material? Or is this guy right and you are using Garolite and just calling it Bakelite? Thanks. That's from Larry. Yeah, Larry. Well, you know, as with a lot of things on that you read online, there's a bit of truth there. It is true. Garolite is uh, usually what's uh, what's being offered, <clears throat> and that's what I use. the 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 uh, pickguard material that I use for my Bakelite pickguards is Garolite. Okay, but let me tell you a secret: they're the same thing. Bakelite is just a brand name, right? Right. And Garolite is a different brand name. It's the exact same thing. In fact, I'm looking at the website where I order my Bakelite slash Garolite, and it says, Garolite is constructed of a phenolic resin with paper reinforcement, which makes it easy to machine, blah, blah, blah. It's also known as paper-grade industrial laminate, phenolic, and Bakelite. It's also known as Bakelite. That's what it says, right? So it's the same thing. It it's just a trade name. It's just a uh, it's just a brand name. It's like saying that Wranglers aren't jeans; only Levi's are jeans. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just it's just a brand name, but it is the same thing. Garolite is Bakelite, and uh, it's there's really no difference. And, and I think. Actually, there I think there is a slight difference. Real old Bakelite often has asbestos in it. And you don't want as that. As a filler. And you no, know, you don't want that. Um, but Garolite does not have asbestos. It has, as it said, as I read, uh, 
from their website. It has paper. Cool. Thanks, Larry. Hello from New Zealand. Loving the podcast. I am building a left-handed bass guitar. My first question is around left-handed parts. Do I need left-handed pickups or can I just flip pickups 180 degrees? What about bridges and tone and volume knobs and wiring harnesses? That's from Jason. Cool. Thanks, Jason. The answer to your question is it depends. It really depends. Some pickups can be flipped around. Most can just be flipped around. But some pickups have a staggered magnet profile. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, like a Stratocaster. They're specific to right or left-handed. Now, a, a bass pickup should not have that. So you should be totally safe on a bass pickup. Okay? He doesn't say what kind of bass this is going to be. He just says it's a it's a left-handed bass, right? Yep. Uh, so the pickups, you should be fine. The bridge, sometimes those have, sometimes those can be, um, used righty or lefty, and sometimes they can't. You'll just have to look at it and see if it's perfectly symmetrical or not. Um, and, and it depends on, you know, it, they need to be intonated properly, and the notches that are cut need to be the right size, so you'll have to see what kind of bridge you're using, and if, you know, if it can be used backwards or not. Um, tone and volume pots, you can get left-handed taper. The, the, the audio taper, if, if you want it to, if you want it to roll left-handed, um, then you'll actually wire the pots backwards from what a normal schematic would say, Mm -hmm. and you want to use a reverse audio taper pot, and that will make it a nice smooth audio taper all the way up and down. So left-handed pots are a thing. Wow. That's absolutely a thing. The knob is going to be backwards. I've never seen left-handed knobs. So the numbers are going to be, you know, 1 through 10 mm. rolling the wrong way. Yeah. But who looks at the numbers? I don't. Yeah. Maybe people do. I don't. Uh, but if you use if you use knobs without numbers. Yeah, then it then doesn't matter. there you go. But yeah, left-handed pots for sure. Possibly a bridge. You should be okay on on uh, pickups. And then tuners, you're going to, you know, depending on what your headstock configuration is, you might need left-handed tuners, you might not. Whether they're all on a side or whether it's two on a side. Please tell me you're making a four-string bass. <laughs> that's, all the, that's all the strings a bass should have. Jason, you put as many strings as you want on oh, your bass. I hope it's not purple flame maple and Jason if it's purple flame maple we want to see pictures of it okay Jason thanks buddy hey Eric I'm restoring a 59 copper finished Dan Electro DC1 that someone spray painted black the black paint came off the body fine with rubbing alcohol Mm -hmm. but the neck and the headstock were sanded through before they sprayed it black my question is do you have any experience with matching this particular shade of copper some companies like Re-Ranch sell Fender 50s Tele-style copper nitro, and I wonder if it will look right. Hmm. Also, will it be necessary to spray a coat of sealer or anything before the color? Planning on doing a top coat of clear as well, which may change the color a bit, too. Yeah. Second question. Would you ever be willing to make me a set of Firebird pickups, and what do you think of their construction and sound? 
Finally, I love my Melco strap. I bought the first Ranger, and it will always be on my number one telly. Makes me happier to play, honestly. That's so nice. I'm glad you love it. Right on. Uh, I'll buy another for sure, as well as some as well as some pickups, Eric. Thanks for my favorite podcast. That's from Ryan. Thanks. I'm glad it's your favorite podcast. <clears throat> and I'm glad you like your strap. Uh, so that uh that the copper Dan Electro, I've never had to match that exactly. So I I don't know that Fender uh 50s copper that they that they have at Re-Ranch, I think is pretty close, but I have never looked at I've used that once. And uh, it turned out nice. It looks nice. Yeah. That might be pretty close. I just don't know, man. You you might just have to order a couple different coppers and and see what matches. Um, the good news is that you know paint's not terribly expensive. If I th- well, <laughs> yeah. If you're ordering it from Re-Ranch, it's like twenty five bucks. Well, that's a that's a small investment. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one of my tricks, just for something like that. You might go down to your uh, neighborhood auto parts store and see what kind of touch-up paint that they have for cars, because mm. sometimes they have quite a selection there. Copper, though. Yeah, that's a that might be a tall order. Maybe. Maybe they made a like '70s Gremlin with a copper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got two. Well, but they wouldn't. They would like you know what I'm talking about oh, the yeah. the car the gremlin I absolutely know what a gremlin is yes did they make them copper I've never I don't know if I've ever seen know. a what copper I, car all I mean is what I'm trying to say is maybe maybe some car company had a copper car but even if they did they they probably don't stock copper colored touch up paint <laughs> at the auto parts store yeah you can try you can check it out I don't know. Your other question, will you need to put something, some sealer or something down? Yeah, I would. Um, those necks are, I think they're poplar. Vintage Dan Electro necks are poplar, which is an odd choice, but that's what they are. Uh, you'll have to, you know, sand it out nice and smooth. And then I would use a sealer. I would use vinyl sealer or, uh, you know, yeah, wh- whatever kind of sealer you want. I, I like to seal under the color and then over the color and then do my lacquer clear coat over that. And, uh, you know, depending on how close the copper is to, to the body, um, you might be able to alter it a little bit with your clear coat. Um, if it needs to be more yellow, you can yellow it up Mm -hmm. by adding some amber to the clear coat. I don't know. I've never had to match, so I'm really just filibustering. Good luck. That's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he also wants to know, will I make some Firebird-style pickups? I've made some in the past. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you really want some, email me. I'll, I'll make some for you. It's just not, an, it's not one of my normal offerings. Yeah. And the reason why, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really like them that much. They're humbuckers, and they—I don't know—I just don't like humbuckers. That's me. I'll make—I'll make some great ones for you, but they just don't light a fire under me. 
This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters, based in Waco, Texas. You know where Waco is? No. If I remember right, it's halfway between Austin and Dallas. But maybe you're wrong. Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. Promo code PINUP. P-I-N-U-P. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. Apex Coffee Roasters. We'll be right back. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you. It's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make uh, replica Blackguard uh, Bakelite pickguards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever. Give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Malco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at MalcoLeather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MalcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Eric, I hope you are doing well during these crazy times. I'm I'm great. (laughs) Everything's great. I wanted to reach out Thanks. and see if you could point me in the right direction or refer me to someone who does fender refinishes. I saw on your website that you typically only do vintage refinishes, so mine doesn't qualify, but I figure you might have someone you know that might be able to help me hmm. out. I have a 2002 Fender Highway 1 Strat that I would like refinished, the body and the neck, basically do an entire makeover of the guitar. Thanks for your time and have a great day. That's from Kenny. Yeah, thanks, Kenny. Yeah, sorry, I would pass on refinishing that. I just, I just have too much work to do, and I, I have to draw the line somewhere. So, um, yeah, I can absolutely recommend someone else. Though I would send that to Mark Jenny. Um, MJTAgedFinishes.com is his website, I believe. But let me double check that while I'm just sitting here. MGT MJT Mark Jenny something guitars. Well, I think when he started out on eBay, it just stood for Mark Jenny Telecaster. Oh, but yeah, okay. M MJT Aged Finishes dot com, and uh, he will. I'm assuming he'll refinish that unless he's picky like me and says, "Sorry, I'm not going to do a 2002." <laughs> uh, 
Highway 1 stretch, but he might. I don't know. I would think that he would, but uh, you'll have to you'll have to contact them. His prices, let me tell you this, his prices are out of this world. I don't know how he makes any money doing this. Two ninety nine. He's like the Earl Scheib of of the guitar world. Jeez. Like I'll paint any guitar for two ninety nine. Butterscotch blonde and custom colors two ninety nine. Now that wow. is a deal. I don't know how many that's like a dollar an hour. Does he is that include stripping the body and uh no strippers are extra. <laughs> Thanks. Uh stripping stripping and Poly finished body is an extra one fifty. Mm. What about the insertion fee? No, there's no insertion fee. Thank God. <laughs> Alrighty, that's enough jokes. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I'd like your opinion on a couple of things which probably fall into the cork sniffer category, but here goes anyway. Number one, do you think that a single piece body sounds better or noticeably different than a two piece on a telly or strat type guitar? Well, I never uh, here. Do you want to tell him what I'm going to say? Yeah. I never listen to a record and think, oh, he's playing a one-piece telly or a, a two-piece telly. Thank you. Yep. Uh, number two, when you install the neck on a bolt-on guitar, how tight do you make the bolts? Some say that they should be really cranked down and actually install threaded inserts in the neck. I've never in- I've never experimented with it, but as a steel player, I know that the varying tension on the screws that hold the headstock on a pedal steel guitar can change the sustain and tone drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like on a bolt-on guitar, I like the neck screws nice and tight. I like them real tight. Tight. Way up tight. So that there's no wiggle, right? In the neck. Will you say tight one more tight. time? Tight. I want it tight. 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 You can overdo it if you tighten it up too much, you can actually dig the corners of the neck plate into the wood, especially if you've got it like a really lightweight ash guitar mm-hmm. that's very porous and, you know, kind of not soft, but kind of soft. Uh, or pine. Mm-hmm. If you've got a pine guitar, those are pretty soft. So you can overdo it. Don't get nuts, but nice and tight. Number three, what are your thoughts on roasting maple necks? Is there anything to it, or is it just another cork sniffer gimmick? Thanks. That's from Cartwright. P.S. Hold on. P.S. Eric, I recently listened to the episode where you revealed that you are the voice that says guitar news on the Morse code intro. God, more people have commented on this. (laughs) I was one. What I was wondering is, is that you and Melissa on the We Get Letters jingle? If it is, (laughs) wow, you guys are good. (laughs) No, it's not. No, we stole that. Uh, so, um, roasted, maple roasted necks. maple necks. Absolutely. So it <clears throat> roasting wood actually chemically changes it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it changes it on a microscopic level. Uh, if it reaches the right temperatures, you get what's called the Maillard reaction. Right. Some of the. Uh, proteins in the wood or something like that are turned into sugars. I don't know exactly. I'm not a starches. Not a scientist, but what I'm saying is that it it does it it actually changes the wood. It changes the weight a little bit. It, it lightens up and it cha- changes the tap tone. It changes the wood. So yes, um, in fact, I've been thinking about 
here's what I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. Lightweight ash, mm-hmm. and even ash in general for guitar bodies. Hard to find. Getting real hard to find, and it may become darn near impossible to find because of uh, all the things we've talked about going on with ash on the podcast. Yeah. The ash, the Japanese ash borer beetle, is that what it is? I don't It's remember. threatening all the ash trees. Something like that. And then, you know, there's, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's. It was like a drought wherever the swamps yeah. are. So ash has been very hard to find, and it's only going to get harder to find. I've been thinking about using tempered or or um, roasted pine hmm. because it it changes the wood. And my my complaints with pine are that it's a little soft and just doesn't have quite the tone that ash does, but. If it's roasted, it might. I've been. I was talking to my, to a, another buddy of mine that makes guitars, and he said that he switched over to uh, roasted pine, and he's really happy with the results. Huh? Yeah. So. Do we get to know who it was? Nope. Okay. But bye. roasting uh, wood or tempering wood absolutely does something to the wood. You bet. Hi, Eric and Mel. I am building a lefty bass guitar. Wow. Another one? And came Wait across Wait a minute. Is this the... from the same guy? He's from New Zealand, too. Oh, it's Jay- Jason. Jason. Two questions in one show. Uh, I am building a lefty bass guitar and came across the Lace Alum... Alumitone? Alumitone. Alumitone bass bar pickups. Have you come across these? What are your thoughts? Second question is after installing my truss rod under the fingerboard, when I tap on the neck, I can hear it rattle. Is there anything I can do to fix this? I've learned so much from your podcasts, including how to pronounce the word height. I wasn't aware it had an H on the end and was pronounced height. LOL. Keep the podcast coming. I love it. That's from Jason from New Zealand. Wow, Jason, bringing out the knives. So he says, I've learned... So much listening to your podcast. I've learned a lot from this question. Namely, that you would put a T at the end of learned. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I tell you, I've, I've, I've absolutely seen the Illumitones, mm-hmm. uh, but I've not, I've not tried their bass pickups. Just their uh, electric guitar pickups. So I don't know if those are going to be great or not. You know, Lace is a great company. They've made guitar. They've made guitar pickups for decades now, and uh, you might like them. You might not. Me, I'm sticking with good old fashioned normal pickups. <laughs> those look like they came out of a crashed UFO, and uh, I'm not really into that. So, th- plus they. At least the guitar pickups I've tried out, the Illumitones. They're cool, but they just kind of, they just kind of sound, they just kind of sound a little weird, a little clangy. Mm -hmm. Plus there's the whole Roswell look to them that I don't dig. So, uh, but you may, you might love them. I don't know. Listen to some sound clips. What else did he ask? Uh, Oh, his truss rod rattles. Gee whiz, buddy. So you're going to have to take his fingerboard off? Well, it, is it, 
is it under tension? Because he's he's still building it, right? Right. Um, I mean, it shouldn't rattle around in there, okay? But with strings on, you're going to have to tighten up the uh, you're going to have to tighten up the truss rod, and maybe that will stop it from rattling. Yeah. So I don't know where you're at in the process. It shouldn't rattle, but hopefully you don't have to. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have to take the fingerboard off and, you know, a lot of guys put like a shrink tubing over the, over the whole truss rod. Really? Or, yeah. Or they'll, you know, put something in there to, so that it doesn't rattle. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Oh, and sorry I say height wrong. Height. 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 You think about how you say words and then get back to me, all right? You Mr. just make Mr. a podcast. New Zealand. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know I can't listen to our podcast? Do the, I, think I, I think I've said that before. I can't listen to it because I say dumb things. Hmm. And sometimes I say words wrong. And I guess I guess we, we're just from Idaho and we say height. So whatever, Jason. Deal with it. As I, this is me putting my sunglasses down. Deal with it. Boom. Thanks, Jason. Hello, I am a new listener, and I apologize if you've addressed this this question before. I have a 79 Matsumoku. 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 That's a Japanese guitar mm-hmm. factory. Mm-hmm. Made Epiphone Sheraton uh, that is starting to have some binding issues. The binding around the body is becoming brittle and is starting to shrink, crack, and pit pretty badly. I'm starting to have binding issues myself. <laughs> can this be can this be repaired without refinishing the body? The finish on the body is beautiful, and I would hate to mess it up with a complete refinish. If so, what is the best way to clear coat and blend the new binding with the existing finish? Thanks. That's from Tyler in Manhattan, Kansas. Thanks, Tyler. That is a common problem on a lot of old guitars with binding. You see it a lot on Gretsch guitars. You see it a lot um, on guitars that have been kept in their cases for decades. Yeah. Just something happens. There, There's like a chemical change that happens in the binding, and it they off-gas, and it turns into this deadly feedback loop of of uh, plastic rot deterioration. Mm-hmm. Binding rot, they call it, <clears throat> I think. Yeah, anyway, that's what I call it. I don't know. Uh, you can, it can be, he sent me some pictures. It looks pretty bad. I don't know. You might have to rebind the thing. Is it worth it? You know, you could leave it how it is. I don't know. If if it's coming off in chunks or, or flaking off, uh, you can get white superglue. Now, before you start taking superglue to your guitar, let me just tell you, this is not for uh, an amateur to mess around with because you can get into a lot of trouble real quick with superglue and guitars. If you're using a lot of it as like a touch-up, mm-hmm. right? But you can get white super glue. Stuart McDonald sells some. Uh, there's a company called Glue Boost. That uh, that's what I've been using lately. 
it's really high quality, good super glue. It's not like the crap you get down at the gas station. Yeah. It's real good super glue. So you can get white and then you can seep that into all the cracks there and then smooth it out and that will stabilize it. But the real fix when it gets real bad, the real fix is that it just needs, it's going to probably just need to be rebound and that job and then blending the finish. You could write a whole book on that. Wow. That's that's not an easy job. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Not an easy job. Not easy to make it look right. And, uh, you know, sometimes on a vintage guitar, especially a vintage guitar that's not super valuable, you just have to embrace the uh, the funkiness of it. Yeah. And the problems and the inconsistencies and the binding rot. So I don't know. To me, I don't know if it's worth it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it, but that's your options. It can be stabilized and saturated with super glue or rebound. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate your participation in the podcast. Thanks, everybody who calls in and writes in. And uh, if you've been listening for a long time, and I know you have, I mean, I, I look at the numbers and you've never called in. Or never written in. You think about doing it. I know there's 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 a lot of people out there we've never heard from. Oh yeah, I yeah, a lot. So write in. Go to ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. By the way, my email contact form was down for a little while. So if you if you wrote into the show and you haven't heard your uh, you didn't hear your uh, question on the show, it, it might not have gone through. Send it again, please. Go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, and send in your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Thank you. Good night.